When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening. Monday the 8th of January, the time is 9.17pm and the three of us are back together. I got a bit of a bollocking from one of Eugene's mates, just a quick interlude, uh, for saying me here as with you two. Uh, He was like, we already fucking know that. What? Get on with it. So (laughs) let's get on with it. Um, One of the, I don't know, jam, fig jam pie chucker, whatever the team's called this week. One of those silly South African lads who only goes to cricket so he can have a bury roll afterwards, no doubt. Anyway, welcome to Slogging It. Hope you're all well and uh, hope 2024 is proving to be a decent one for you in its in its first eight days. Right, loads to talk about. Well, I say loads to talk about. Eugene and I aren't probably going to contribute all that much tonight because no. Simon has been scraping his run out ever since last Monday. But before we do that, I thought we should talk about South Africa against India and the second test, which probably means Eugene's going to start talking about England now because that's the role reversal of what happened last week. Um, But no. My my press training comes in really well at this stage because you talk about what you want to talk about. You don't answer the question. So, yes, I am looking forward to the five tests that India and England are going to be playing come... (laughs) <laughs> oh, three what weeks. a shit show, right? What a shit show. Right, I'm going to come in here because Robbo, I get the feeling we're going to hear a lot of Robbo tonight. So on a number of different things, but mainly slagging off the ICC, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. Yes, look, Elga said, uh, and we have to say, and I know we announced him as one of the retirees last week, but what a career and what a cricketer. You know, I don't think anybody can doubt that. Asked after the first inning, he said he would have chosen to bat regardless of the score. That's the that's the thing. I know we'll talk about the pitch. It seems like the issue was that because it was cracked and they have these these plates, they're a bit like tectonic plates, right? And then if they rub together, it creates earthquakes, as we've tragically seen in Japan recently. Don't make me laugh when I'm that's talking a, about that. You are a that's a fucking tenuous link. Well, um, these plates somehow uh, surrounded by live grass, which was where you got the real uneven, steep bounce from, certainly from the Weinberg end, I think it was. Uh, I forget the name of the other end. But, yeah, just a pitch. Played differently from both ends. As soon as you're 55 all out in the first dig, I mean, it's highly unlikely that you're going to even, like, not lose by an innings. But, the South African lads came out and, and, and fought hard. And I thought it was, well, an incredibly short test match. What was it, over in a day and a session? A day and a session and a half? Day and a half. Yeah, day and a half. That's why I didn't realise what the other end was because I, it was so short, I didn't really understand what was going on. 23 wickets in the first innings. You know, first South innings. Africa had a shout. I mean, it one. First, first, first day, apologies. Jesus yeah, Christ, well how, yeah, many, the first how many innings. chances did they have? And they still only got 55. <laughs> like, I know, the, 
That, that was the Australian Pakistan test Brilliant. when they kept dropping those catches. Yeah, 23, 23 wickets on the first day. And, I mean, considering South Africa only lost by seven wickets, you know, a result in a day and a half. Yeah. No, I thought they, um, look, I, I thought they did well to bounce back. Right, we must comment on um, Ravi Shastri's incredible commentary. <laughs> so these guys are world-renowned commentators because they're expected to come out with like just glorious pieces of broadcasting and journalism to describe what they're seeing before their eyes. And rather than saying anything found or even vaguely remote, remotely associated with cricket, Ravi Shastri said, well, if someone's gone around the corner for a dump, they'll have just missed and you lose six wickets, which at first I thought he said sub as in like a sandwich or something, but no, he said dump. Uh, this is the ex-Indian head coach, uh, legend of the game, legend of broadcasting, really. He's a brilliant commentator, I think, but he's had an absolute brain fart, wasn't he? No, I think that's bang on. <laughs> I mean, he is factually correct. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I want to know who goes around the corner for a dump. I mean, normally you go to the toilet, you know. TIA, mate, TIA. To be fair, during the summer, we went around the corner for lots of dumps. So let's. <laughs> Normally, only yeah. one corner as well. We didn't even venture past two. So yeah. there's, still a, there's still a couple of patches of uh, burnt grass on the castle course from about five or six well, yeah. years ago as well. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true indeed. So disappointing, Eugene, though, for, from a South African perspective. I mean, look, it would. It, I don't understand why you have two test series. I think it's pointless. Like, let's try and find a winner. If they draw the third one, then fair enough. But it's set up really nicely for a um, for Robbo to point at his phone and say, "I'm going to come on to that." But it would have been brilliant to see them go at it again in another one of the great grounds in South Africa for a third time, wouldn't it? Well, I'm quite happy that it was only two tests because India can't still win a test series in South Africa. So you know, you take take the small wins and everything, but. Yeah, I think I think we've spoken enough, John. Should we should we go for a cup of tea and let Robbo take over? No thanks. I've oh, just got a little comment on the, the South African pitchers. Yeah, they ducked around a bit, but good players who played well still scored runs. Like Markham scored a hundred. You're right. Markham scored a hundred, played well. Uh, you look. There were some people that said pitching the first test wasn't great, but then Dean Elgar got 180. South Africa got 400. So. It can't be that. Like you look at the bowlers that took wickets in that in the second test, certainly. Yes, they were helped out, but like they're, they're proper bowlers. Siraj bowled ridiculously well on that first day. Hit the right areas, got it deck in both ways, and just hit top of off stump and made people nick it. Like people were getting caught on the crease, playing at balls they shouldn't, all sorts of stuff. But then Coley gets forty odd, fifty odd in battling. Markham gets 100 in the second inning. India's second innings. Rohit comes out and plays a few shots and smashes it anywhere and everywhere. Like, And he made a very good point after the game. He said, I like playing on these pitches. Mm, he did, and, yeah. And you've also got, a, you, if you've got a pitch that seems and seems about and bounces a bit, you've got to take it in, normally in Australia, South Africa, well, it used to be in the West Indies, but that's now changed. England, let's say. You've got to take take it with the same levels that you do a wicket in India or Sri Lanka or or the subcontinent where they spin. There's got to be some consistency. Again, I will talk about this in a bit, but like, there's got to be a level of consistency. It's the same as, way as if someone gets 
if 650 plays 700 plays the same they're, they're equally as crap pitchers yeah mm. grounds don't make as much money if anything i'd say that this pitch is a better and more interesting pitch than than five days worth of 1600 runs for eight like because that's yeah dull. so we saw that four years ago didn't we yeah it, it you know it was just a nothing game really wasn't it yeah so mm. so there is a bit where where you have to stand and go, look, I mean, as well, bowlers are allowed to bowl. Like, again, we talk about this. I've spoken about this quite a few times. Bowlers are part of this game as well. Let's not forget that. And there's one format of the game now where bowlers can actually get involved and can go through options and can dominate a game. And that is test match cricket. And, yeah, I, I, I just think it's garbage that some of the people are saying about well, good pitches and bad pitches. But... That's, well, that's warm me up nicely. I'm not here to hear you being sensible and you know offering a, a well balanced view on on cricket. Uh, what we're here to hear you do tonight is absolutely take apart the ICC. Where are we going to start, Robert? Right. So I've got a question for you, Pe. Go on. Oh. What is the point of the ICC? Genuinely, what what? What are they there for? Well, they are the guardians of the game, aren't they? But we know how that's got in football with FIFA. So if they're anywhere near as corrupt as FIFA, then we're in a right old mess. Well, are but, they the guardians of the cricket? Or, or is the MCC the guardians of... Or maybe the MCC is the guardians of laws of cricket and the ICC is guardians of the schedule countries can play each other and the test championship etc etc or is that ruled by money it's a good question rob what do you what is where are you going with this i'm reading the icc website go on where it says it says it's the governing body for for cricket working with our members and staging icc events it presides over the icc code of conduct playing regulations drs and other ICC regulations also deals in anti-corruption. So it doesn't make the laws. The MCC does that. But it monitors the code of conduct and all the other governments that go with it. It has. How many members do you reckon the ICC has? What? In terms of playing nations? Representing members. So you're talking about umpires? No, 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 no. Uh, no, no. no. No, just no, country. countries. How many countries do you reckon it represents? 130. Not a bad guess. 108. 110. Oh, yeah, good. 108. 108. So. You've just got on the website, you, Jamie, but didn't want to be Bob on, so you've just... Yeah, well played. Well, well played. Well, no, I think... You're a, I think you're a filthy yeah. cheat, you think. So, first, yeah. first okay. rant of the ICC. How many people played in the last World Cup? Oh, how many? How many, how many countries? Ten. Yeah, ten. So, so that is, if we were to have a football World Cup with the same proportions, mm. that would be yeah, eighteen teams would play in the football World Cup. Right. Yeah. So this this World Cup is, we can say it's probably up there with the worst World Cups in that we've known. We can we can fairly unanimously yeah. say that. There's one factor it wasn't, and that was attendance at the ground, which. When you hold in every other game at 130,000 seat stadium in India, where they love cricket, 
you're probably going to break the record compared to England, which held the record before. The biggest stadium is 32,000. So their role is to create ICC tournaments for its members. It fails on that one. Like it doesn't create a tournament for all its members. It just creates it for a few at the top because it's easy that way. No, but what they'd say to that is that they create tournaments for, because there's a divisional structure. So they would say that they do create tournaments for all of their members. They just can't all play in the same box. (laughs) So so in their showpiece event, less than 10% of their members can play in it. So what you're saying, okay, so I guess what you're looking for is some kind of FA Cup style tournament. Whatever. Where... Is there no qualifying, though, for yeah, every only, member? Yeah, only four nations could have qualified out of the top six. Or that you got the top six, and then only four out of the other 104, uh, sorry, 102, could have qualified. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's pretty poor odds. That's, that's not inclusive, is it? Would you believe yeah. the What's ICC the on, for football? Yeah, they have a qualifying structure, but they have 40, I think the next one's 40, it was 36 tournaments at the last one. 36 teams and it's being increased to 44 or whatever it is for this one, which is 25%. In nearly 30% of the amount of people. They also have something on their website called their values, which I found fucking hilarious, to be honest, because we all know they fucking got none. But anyway, no, Tim, sorry. I'm going to give one massive apology at the end of this. So they are responsible for creating, like overseeing the development of cricket which is why they've taken a tournament off a minor nation to give it back to the bigger nation. Right, they took a tournament off Sri Lanka for political reasons when the ICC's motto mm. is not to let politics get in the way of cricket, but they take a tournament off a country that's a small nation for political reasons. They then... but there are, Hold on, but they're arguing that it's politically political reasons that they are taking it away from them for. So, so you, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't you can't sit here. There's, it carries on. So two years, you know, three years ago, what did every player have to do before every ICC game? Black Lives Matter again, one knee. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's quite a political thing. There were players, some players yeah. that weren't happy to do with it. They got happy to do it. There was people that got banned countries and got suspended fined them. and countries and, and certain countries got told they weren't allowed to play in tournaments if they didn't do it. Yet, Usman Khawaja puts something on his boots in practice and gets fined for a breach of the ICC code. So on one hand, you've got the ICC making decisions that everybody has got to support this political agenda. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you've got Usman Khawaja getting banned for not even during a game showing what was apparently support for one side in an armed conflict. They couldn't... You can't tell me that they're not warped thinking. They haven't got a fucking clue what they're doing. When it suits them, they're happy to support something. When they think, oh, hang on a minute, it doesn't... They're not. You then sat there and go... They're supposed to, like we talked about, you said earlier, two test series are supposed to be having this test championship that leads to two test series that no one, everyone's unhappy about. Not a single person alive is happy about doing it. And everyone sits and goes, what is the fucking point? 
they they're they're thinking on everything you go through their website and literally in the last 12 months they have contradicted every single item every task every bit that they try and do they're sitting there promoting the global game they're sitting there trying to promote test cricket yet they can't stop south africa sending i mean to be fair half of them won't get in the england b squad which 10 years ago you'd have found unheard of but they, they can't stop South Africa sending a team to New Zealand, two, two of the top, top, top tier nations. This isn't Ireland that people are sending a, a weekend team to, like England have done before, which I also think is wrong. You've got South Africa, arguably not even sending a B team because the second richest T20 franchise tournament is taking place in South Africa. And the ICC are just going to sit there and go, yeah, okay, what can we do? You run cricket. You are responsible they're, for they're, cricket. So what the fuck is the point? There's another way of looking at that South Africa side in that they played so badly against India that they completely changed their squad. What (laughs) they they, they announced before the start of the India series. Yeah, good one. I I don't get it. You you know what? I get that. But you know what I really like about what you're just saying there? Is even India, who are going to be playing against Bangladesh, are sending a first side. They're sending a proper side to go and play them in the in the 50-over series that they start with in a couple of weeks' time. I don't... Well, that's because India sit there and don't organise international games during the IPL. Yeah, the ICC... Or the ICC sitting, don't arrange... And I can't imagine why that might be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, are you suggesting I mean, that the BCCI is telling the ICC when they want to play and when they don't want to play? You reckon? I'm not. I'm not saying it's the same with England. It's it's the same with loads of things. They they moved the fixtures for certain for certain teams. Yeah, Australia. Yeah, they played a couple of tests recently during the Big Bash. But now the the main part of the Big Bash is coming up. And all the Australian players are free. Yeah, for the South Africa T20. No, they've 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 got to go to New Zealand for a game. I I don't get it. I don't get it. The thinking is just warped. It's just. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not clear. They need a really good assessment of what they're doing because they're not promoting the global brand because no other teams from around the world can get into your major tournament. They're not responsible for the growth of the game in any part because that's down to India buying every T20 franchise in the world and sending it to America, sending it to South Africa, sending it to these parts of the world that have cricket hasn't been played in. Which traditionally, I know cricket has been played in South Africa, but the BCCI basically got South African cricket yeah. out the shit through this situation. And so like you're standing there going, What what are you actually doing? You're not you're implementing rules when you want to implement them. You can't you can't keep a, anyone going at fifteen overs an hour in a test game. I mean Christ. If if, if they'd have bowled the overs at the right pace in this South Africa India test, it wouldn't have lasted a day. <laughs> like I'm gonna. What, I'm gonna ask. A what question are they doing? You go, you, it's a very good tangent. Yeah, I get it. I get it. What you did say though is what? What are the ICC? And you said that they are guardians. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have the ability to control what the nations are doing, right? But, well, so it governs. Governs. Pre- sorry, presides yeah. over the ICC code of conduct, the playing conditions. They're the pitchers, so they've gaffed that for corrupt reason. They haven't they really. You can talk about them in South Africa. They've done well there. Let's see the code of conduct. So they've we'll go through it. Code of conduct. Usman Kawaja can't wear a pair of shoes. 
three years ago, everyone's got to take a knee. Right? Yeah. So let me know. Right? Playing conditions. Pitchers are arguably the worst they've been in a very, very long time. You go through for the last four years, like pitchers are as uncompetitive and as one-sided as they've been in a very long time, one way or the other. DRS. Other than VAR in football, there is not a de- review system that works worse than cricket because we've got this umpire's call shenanigans that no one can seem to get their head around. How much of the ball has to hit the stump? How much of it doesn't? How much of it has to pitch in line? How much of it doesn't? Is a no ball a no ball? I'll tell you what, two of the things, they employ the umpires and DRS. They called a no ball on a ball the other day when the batter who hit it was on strike. Was it the non-strikers end on the fucking replay? <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. Oh, well, there was a, there, yeah, there we, might have been a slight we, timing issue. Are we real? Now, that's the broadcaster though, Robbo. I get it. I get it. I get no, but it. They oversee it. This is overseeing it. <laughs> Appoints all match <laughs> officials. Well done. You've done well there. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. officiate the anti-corruption unit. Well, in the last 10 years, when a bloke did report cricket, this is a guy that used to play at Papawick and play for Pakistan. He did report corruption in cricket. They hung him out to dry and made it so he had to run for his life. So I'm glad your anti-corruption unit's working well as well. So I've just gone through the front page. That's one paragraph. One paragraph on the first page of their website. So what are they doing? That's, that's the main bit. Not that we can solve all these problems. What do you recommend that we do, Robbo? <laughs> Again, just just be better. Stop organising tournaments on the basis of, like, what was wrong with cricket? Cricket was doing fine. We had decent World Cups. You, you look at the 2007 World Cup, the 2003 World Cup. You, like, you, you look at all those tournaments that were unbelievable events. Slightly more teams. You had, like, in the West Indies, stuff like that. You had, you had, support, yep. you had upset results. You had Ireland beating England. You had all this kind of stuff. You had everything that you wanted in a global tournament. And then for some reason, they've decided to, right, okay, now we'll have less teams playing in it. Now we'll have more teams playing in it. Now, I mean, at the next one, we've got the USA playing in it who haven't had to qualify. We're growing the global game, which is fine, but we're taking a World Cup to a country that never played cricket. Uh, I don't think I've watched a game of cricket that's been played in the US before. No. This is the thing. I mean, the West Indies have played a couple of games in Florida. I'm aware of those. But it's just warped. The thinking is just all over the place. So I just don't... And honestly, I can't see what they have done recently that's positively contributed to the game. The game is growing despite the ICC. The game is growing around the world because of India, because of England doing what they're doing in Test cricket, because of South Africa playing the way that they've played traditionally when you look at because of Australia sitting there going like that, because of Ireland coming through, which had just less than fuck all to do with the ICC, by the way. They did that massively off their own back and with England's help. Ireland's Irish cricket developed. Since they've been involved mm. in the ICC and been a full member nation, they're shit. So let's like weigh it up a little bit. Like the game is growing despite the ICC. And it shouldn't be that way. And I'm seeing a lot of what they're doing happening 
it, with the ECB and like we go back to a couple of years with the ECB and what was going off there, I see it filtering down. And you've got counties and, and clubs and, and charities that are trying to grow the game. And the people that are stopping the development of it is the people in charge. And I, I don't I don't know what you're right. I'm sitting here ranting about stuff, but I have no idea what the answer is. I, I honestly don't know. Give it back to the MCC. Make England tour in red and yellow again or do something like God knows. But <laughs> like it's, it's just yeah. every time, every headline this year about the ICC has been negative. There hasn't been a look how good this tournament was. Look how well they're sending it to other parts. Like this, how well managed this tournament was. You, you look at the biggest tournament, turn, like talking points of the last tournament. And it was the fact that someone's chin strap broke and the fact he was timed out. Like, come on. Even, it's just, again, I've, I've said when we started doing this, I will never call for people to resign. But those guys just need to do a whole lot freaking better. Because they, they, they are the ones that are letting the games down, the game down in general. Not, not the BCCI to a certain extent, because they're the ones financing cricket around the world, fundamentally. Not Australia playing the big bash and managing things. Not the way England are trying to play to entertain. Not anything like that. It's the ICC that are doing it. And they need to have a long, hard look at themselves and figure out what they're on about. And just enforce your rules. Be, be unbiased. Be neutral. That's, that's your sole job. It's not to pick and choose when you want to support something or which side you want to support in, it, in an argument. Not that, I'm not saying I, I'm... By no means is this a political statement saying I'm I mean saying that the ones they supported were wrong and the ones they've had to go out right. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you need to be neutral. So if someone very, has got an answer, what well paid Robbie. <laughs> if anyone has got an answer as to what the <laughs> fuck they are doing, I I've got a very good friend that used to work for them, a guy that I played against for years, and he used to work for me now doesn't. But part of me wants to bell him and ask him what the fuck is going on. I mean, he works in their, he worked for their legal department. He now oversees their legal practice. I bet he's having a fucking field day at the minute because he's, he's caning money out of them. But yep. anyway, Johnny, um, I'm glad I had a shower just before we came on out because I now feel dirty again. I'd love to take in, as always, Robbo, some incredibly passionate, valid points. I, day to day, don't have many criticisms of you. And, and again, you have, proven to me that you're a wonderful, wonderful co-host of this podcast, always bringing the news that people want to hear, opinions that people that. want to hear. I doubt anyone particularly to wanted to hear this, but I've had this in the bank for about three weeks. <laughs> to the ears of, uh, well, the three of us listen and uh, Rooster. So the four people that will listen to will all thoroughly enjoy it. And we got to listen to it live. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still trying to, I think I'm still... On the first bit, I'm still trying to work my. I'm working my way back through it. I'm going to have nightmares tonight and wake up in a cold sweat, just like shouting a response to Robbo and realise that my time is, my chance yeah. is gone. I, I agree with you, John. It's one of those where you actually have to digest it just to understand what Simon has said. It's one of those where you might need to listen to it a second time. Um, it's it's one of those that there's so many valid and interesting points that that makes. Have you, you ever seen film? Have you ever seen a film? There was a very famous film, one of Christopher Nolan's very first films, actually, with Guy Pearce, a film called Memento. Ever watched it? I've heard of it. 
Brilliant film. And it's but people when I first watched it, my mate who told me about it said you literally have to watch this seven times before you even vaguely get to see all the bits in it that you need to see. And I feel like Simon tonight is the guy pierce of the eighth of January twenty twenty four. I feel like this is gonna need a, a number of reruns just to, you know, take it all in. Talking of rants, Simon, you're going to see the Lord's Taverners in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got an half an hour around there as well, haven't you? Not rant. That one. I'm actually really like that. That's something I'm really pleased I'm doing, and I'm I'm actually uh, really sort of proud to say that we're we're doing this. This has come about because the three of us do what we do here, and um, I'm I'm just the one that has to go down because yeah, I, I'm the one that's done a vague part because you couldn't you couldn't be asked to come to the Christmas lunch. I think is why you've been asked to go and do it. Uh, possibly, possibly, but no, they've they've asked me to go, go on. Down. What is it? They are launching a new, like, an employee assistance program. They already have one, but they're updating it. They've got Gabby and Emma, are two wonderful people that they've taken on in the last sort of twelve to eighteen months to do with their personnel, their head of people, and and whatever. Um, but they want to launch this employee assistance program. They have very kindly asked me to go down and and speak about my experiences and through the kind of people who listen to the third episode that we did ever will know will know a little bit about my story and on some of the uh, slightly negative things that may have happened to me and but hopefully from my negatives that some people can take some positives and through re- recovery I don't like that word but through what I'm doing now and, and getting people to talk about it and so yeah they've invited me down to just to chat to their 45 or I think it's 45 or 46 permanent members of staff and um, we look also looking at putting a program together for uh, the people who coach in their outreach programs who are technically employed by the counties but um work under the banner that the TAFs fund them so and um, we're looking at doing something to them they get together a couple of times a year um so so yeah something which which i'm really really i mean we know the work the TAFs do and i'm i'm couldn't be more proud of the work they do and and happier to support them an amazing charity but now to be able to go in there and and maybe help out a little bit with some uh, potential issues or whatever that, that their staff members might be going through, make them guys see that there is a way out of it. Yeah, so really looking forward to that. There was something um, that Emma, she's she's done a lot of work. She used to work at Royal Mail and, and things like that. And I can't remember. Jeez, well, you should be alert. Well, I'll tell you what, today. In, in employee support, she was probably had a lot on. So... But no, she said something about start the conversation, destroy the stigma was was a little bit of a line. It, I don't, I've not quoted that quite right. It was a little bit better than that, but it was basically that type of thing, um, which I thought was a brilliant, a brilliant line mm. um, to to how to deal with people's mental health. And we were bouncing some ideas off each other about sort of where we can, when like the right time to start the conversation or making people comfortable. And, and one of the things we were saying was it, there, there is never a right time, but by the second point, there is never a wrong time. So mm. that just something I, I'm, I'm really glad they've asked me to go down and have a chat about it. And, and, and I couldn't think of a better group of people to go down and start and to try and help out and try and show them what talking about it can do. So, well, well done, mate. I think yeah. we're we're both proud of you. We both know that this is something that you're quite keen on doing for them, um, just to try and help and and kind of share your experiences with the, the view of kind of helping others who um, 
and I think you fully accept that you're probably not going to get a load of people run up to you after your presentation and want to talk to you there and then, but you know, the fact that people may reach out to you afterwards or through the employee assistance program and, and what have you, but no, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Yeah. It's, um, it's not even necessarily about talking to me. If people want to talk to me, anyone can talk to me. You know, we've had friends of ours that have spoken to each one of us about stuff following the episodes that we all did and about ourselves. So it's just, it's, as long as people, for me, as long as people are talking to someone, as long as they're having a conversation, whether that be with their brother, son, mate, whatever, counsellor, someone that they don't even know, like we will, we've openly said, look, if people want to talk to us, send us an email, send us a, a whatever. A and it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as long as people are having a conversation, if people are struggling, have mm. a conversation. That's the main thing. What I, what I am going to do, though, I'm going to speak to a few, text a few of my mates in the room and say, uh, get them to early on ask a question about your current views on the ICC, uh, just so you've got to stand up there and talk for I, about I, three hours I rather than... I think I'm only going to get half an hour, and it's just before dinner, and we all know that no one is going to want to stop dinner. <laughs> so, but no, it's something I'm I'm really, really excited to do, and... and yeah, I think I might even try and make a couple of nights of it because it's actually on my birthday. So I think me and the wife are going to go down and have a, maybe take a show in or something in London. Right. Well, last time I was in London, I almost took a shoe in, didn't I? So uh, the dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I don't, I don't think they do things like that at Phantom of the Opera, though, do they? <laughs> I'm not going to see that. The rest of the theatres in London are, are an obscene place to be these days. Anyway. Well, look, that's it. That is episode two of 2024. Many thanks for joining us. Thank you for choosing us. It really does make us feel good about what we're doing. And um, there was a word I was looking for, but I can't think of it. So, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. But until next week, um, it's uh, thank you to the wonderful Eugene Berger. I've said a fucking word all night. Uh, these are the episodes I like. <laughs> Thank you to the wonderful Simon Roberts. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, thank you to you. Until next week, we bid you adieu. Love you, bye. Yes. Sports Social Podcast Network.